Hello and welcome to Regenerative Rising's podcast, Elevating Stories, Activating Change. I am your host, Nisha Mary Paulos, Executive Director of Regenerative Rising. And with me today is Katie Gray, author, singer, producer, caregiver, and healer of hearts. She draws from the wisdom of her own experiences to help others find their way back to their own hearts. Katie is devoted to helping people connect with feeling, presence, and self-awareness through her music, her writing, her counseling, and her workshops. Her work of the Empowered Heart is a methodology that helps assist people in the process of identifying and healing emotional wounds and is the basis of understanding that infuses her work as a counselor, author, and workshop facilitator. She is an incredible musician and has received various recognitions for her music, including appearances on both Jimmy Kimmel and the NBC Today show. She has also authored two books and her most recent one, The Empowered Heart Guidebook, has its foreword written by Paul Hawken. Thank you so much for joining us for this very special episode of our podcast, Katie. It's an honor to have you here. Oh, thank you so much, Nisha. It's so nice to be here. Um, I just want to open up this conversation with you, um, with with you speaking to us a little about your own worldview um, that helps you to work with others to heal emotionally and spiritually. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you know, something that you and I have spoken of in the past and something that feels so present, especially right now in this day and age, is suffering. You know, there, there's so much happening in the world um, to humans, but also to the plant, to the plant world, to the natural world. Um, I think of the distress that we're living in collectively, um, each of us, and that that's not just humans. You know, all of us, the bees, the insects, the um, the trees, the animals. Um, we're we're in a collective state of distress. And it's understandable. A lot has happened. And I think for us humans, we we know that we've played a big part in that, in the collective distress. And at the same time, I think we are, as individuals and collectively, we are going through our own survival. We're, we're also trying to get through the distress happening internally um, to each of us in our, in our inner world. And so what's happening in the outer world is collective distress is deeply impacted by the internal stress that each of us are working through. And in that sense, we are, yes, responsible for so much of the destruction to the natural world as humans. Um, and I think with that is a bit of shame and a burden of knowing the truth that we play a big part in the outcome, in the well-being of the earth. And at the same time, Many humans have unresolved trauma and were the victims to something destructive in their in their life, in their childhood, their lifeline. And so there's also this survival from the victim standpoint, someone trying to to survive, trying to heal, trying to make sense and the confusing distress happening within them. Um, so for that reason, my work with the empowered heart is is focused on helping humans unravel and heal uh, that distress, that anxiety, that pain, the unresolved trauma inside. Because when we heal the internal world, it has a huge effect on the outer, on the external world, on the outer world. 
the one that we're sharing together, you know. Um, and that is, for me, my viewpoint on what's happening in the world is I'm under no false illusions. It's crazy right now. It's uh, very sad, very intense. Um, and I think we we have an incredible opportunity right now to get to the root cause of what's really going on, which I believe has to do with unresolved trauma within the human, within the human heart, you know? Yeah, that's, um, I think so many people strike are so conscious of this, uh, this feeling of fear, of anxiety, of trauma today. Um, and that in a way is, is good news that, so many more people are even recognizing um, what is that something is not right. And that's the first step. And um, like to me, it just feels like the earth is screaming in pain and it's it's burning, it's flooding. And it's at this this year alone, it, I nobody really can claim that they have not been touched by some form of extreme climate event um and it's in every corner of the world in some way or the other but it's also leading to so much in anxiety and i can say that for myself that this this for those that are working within this sector in any way in in in, in working with whether it's working to restore the, the 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 rivers or whether it's to restore the human mindset or to working with um, animals with the ocean all of it is really there's so much anxiety that um i i myself face that fa face that and people face this inability to get to action and um and that's something that i constantly think that it really it, when we feel this is a good opportunity to take a step back and maybe reconnect and um and that is is so powerful and I, I feel like your work has really done so much with this and and what does it really how do we really deal with the anxiety that we're faced with today and how do we um as individuals in our current sort of isolated setup how do we how do we really address this for ourselves within our own capacities? Yeah, it's such a such an important question. I want to respond to some of what you just shared and reflect back that yes, you're exactly right. The earth is screaming and crying, and we're aware of that. In order to not hear that screaming and crying, we have to uh, disconnect. We have to dissociate. We have to stay busy and distracted. And many of us are in that state of distraction. We're avoidant. We don't want to hear those screams and cries of the earth because it makes us feel uncomfortable. You know, we have to feel that um, deep, deep grief as well as fear for the future and shame. Shame that we had a big part in, in what has uh, created this uh, state of distress. So, you know, something you mentioned um, for those of us who are involved, whether we're working with human trauma or we're activists who are working to preserve water or we're uh, working in the legislation to change um, how policies uh, work to preserve and protect or to continue destroying the earth to whatever capacity and in whatever way 
uh, those of us are taking action. As you said, many of us, whether we're taking action or not, are feeling this anxiety. And I think what's important in these moments is to really understand what anxiety is. You know, that's this internal alarm system, in a sense. Uh, you were saying the screams and cries of the earth. That's kind of the screams and cries of your being saying something's not right. I'm scared. I don't feel safe. Something's wrong. You know, that anxiety is this alarm system sounding. And it's very uncomfortable for the nervous system. It's very uncomfortable to live uh, with that feeling of distress. And yet the anxiety is an alarm saying something's not right. Um, what's behind the anxiety? What's behind the fear? If If we see anxiety as fear and we see that fear is coding something else, what it's coding is pain. It's that that feeling of, of remorse and grief and shame. And so I would say for, especially for those of us who find ourselves slowed down by the anxiety or find ourselves um, just in survival mode, trying to get from A to B because it's debilitating that anxiety and it's deflating our hope. It's deflating our life force energy that we need in order to take action and keep being a part of positive change. And so I think a big part of that is understanding that pain that's beneath it and working with that on an individual level, giving ourselves permission to say, wow, I'm really grieving. I am scared. You know, what's the root cause of the feelings that we may not be allowing ourselves to feel? Because oftentimes anxiety happens when we're disconnected from the true feelings. And so there's a, there is, um, a discord happening within us. You know, it's um, um, two bodies of water colliding. And so what we need to do is understand I'm hurting, I'm afraid, and let ourselves grieve, especially if we're involved with trying to create change. We have to We have to go to a vulnerable place because for many of us, in order to be activists or leaders or entrepreneurs that are that are genuinely trying to bring consciousness and change, we have to be strong. We have to be powerful. We have to be embodied. We have to be. We have to awaken that Mars energy of leadership. And yet, what's happening inside of us might be immense grief and pain. So, regardless of what our role is and how we are stepping forward. We have to allow ourselves to be vulnerable and, and take down that wall of protection and feel the grief, let ourselves cry, let ourselves crumble, let ourselves feel the genuine feelings within us and know that that won't weaken us. You know, trust that that won't weaken you as a leader or an activist to let yourself grieve, to be vulnerable. It will allow you to listen to those cries and screams within you and be there to support yourself, to reunite with yourself rather than dividing away and and uh, ignoring what's happening within and trying to stay strong. That's where that anxiety comes. Let yourself breathe into it, whether it's meditation, whether it's yoga, whether it's taking three days off and letting yourself curl up in bed. And if you have to read a sad story to awaken the tears, touch into the grief of what you're feeling. Let yourself feel that and release that. You know, look at the truth, feel it, let yourself release it, be there to comfort yourself. And in a way that kind of strengthens the emotional, spiritual immune system of your being. It, it helps you to be strong. It helps you to be um, grounded and present 
so that as you take your steps forward, you are not coming from a place of uh, dissociation and fear and anxiety because you're not empowered in that state. If you can let yourself feel the true feelings, offer yourself permission to be vulnerable enough to process them and then step forward into your work in the world, the whole constitution is stronger. You know, you're much more resourced and able to perform your work in the world. And so for me, as a guide, as someone who is helping people understand, identify the unresolved trauma, get in tune with those feelings, and then courageously, rebelliously allow yourself to be vulnerable enough to feel and process, you become a stronger leader. You become more empowered. You become more trusting. You're able to get back to your superpower of your heart, you know? Yeah, that is that's so comforting and um, so powerful in the it's a very strange time um in our in our existence where this there's this feeling of powerlessness it feels like the problem is is so vast um that there is it's not something that anybody can you know you can do it even if even if in your community everybody is cooperating that's still not enough you know i've been the last few months i've spoken to so many people who are trying across in different parts of the world who are trying to work with rainforests and they're just like even if the forest is protected the climate is changing and it's leading to so much biodiversity loss you know and on the other hand many nonprofits are facing funding crunches um, in the environmental sector. So there's this like, this real uh, powerlessness, which we're in many, many of us are grappling with um, on one hand. And on the other hand, there is this urgency, which seems to be rising um, with each passing day. And in, in the end of it, the, the victim is a self because you just go from oscillate between um, hyperdrive and then sort of crumbling and and finding this hitting low points. And then, you know, it just becomes this. And this is, and I'm, I'm, I'm saying this because really in these last few months, I've met so many people who are working across sectors towards this intentionality of healing ourselves and our relationship with the earth and, um, and sort of listening to the earth and, and acting on it in different sectors are all feeling this uh, this sort of oscillation between these two powerful places in life, neither of which is um, is is well being centered for the people who are working in it, you know. Um, and that really, to me, really brings back this idea of connection with the self, but also with others who are, because uh, that then gives you this ability to uh, maybe navigate it because when you don't have the energy, how do you draw energy from somebody else? And uh, yeah, I just wanted it just brought this up for me as you were speaking, because um, it seems to be an emerging um, constant state of like in for a lot of people. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Nisha. Thank you for all the work you do. And, you know, this is something you and I have spoken about in the past as friends that we get to that place where we feel exhausted, you know, pushing and pushing and pushing and trying and carrying and the burden of 
of trying to create change when it feels, when there are moments where we feel this realization, what if there's nothing I can do? What if no, is I could work until I die and still I've done nothing? You know, what a devastating, deflating, painful thought. And if we feel that's a realization that we're tapping into the truth, that feels profoundly devastating. And that deflates all of our energy. You know, we are powerless in that moment. I think that there is a, for me personally, the the work that I do and what I've witnessed and studied and um, for many years uh, devoted to my own healing, you know, beginning 15 years ago with recovering from addiction and recognizing uh, the layers of what had contributed to an unconscious environment. You know, for me, um, I was to be in a, a state of, I'll use addiction as an example, because I think we are collectively in an addictive mindset we are immersed in unconsciousness and it's very, it's very dark and it's very dim. Let's say very dimly lit in a state of unconsciousness and that unconsciousness, uh, it's so separated from the divine, so separated from the life force energy, from the mycelial network that connects all living beings. We're in an unconscious state. And so we're collectively in an unconscious state and it's with, it's through that unconsciousness that we are mindlessly unconsciously destroying the earth. We're making decisions that are not conscious decisions. We are uh, saying words, we're speaking words, we're consuming, we are purchasing products without consciousness in, in mind, without that being the guiding force, it's unconsciousness. So we're working with some pretty deflated low frequencies. Many of us, there are billions and billions of us, and many of us are operating in survival mode in an unconscious state. So if we just look at it as this polarity of consciousness versus unconsciousness, without allowing ourselves to get into the narrative of good and bad, you know, that's important is to stay neutral, not not in a, a negligence way, but to stay in a balanced place of neutrality of presence. Because as soon as we get moved by our own emotions and we we're persuaded by that emotional rush of fear that then transpires into judgment and says it's the ones destroying the rainforest who are the problem it's the it's the ones who are the one percent that's crushing the economy that's the problem that's it's their fault you know what we're doing is creating more division and that's not the direction we need to go in we need to become hyper aware of division and divisiveness and recognize that that will weaken the environment internally and externally so each of us and as individuals our work is to remain grounded to remain present to not be persuaded by emotion to stay present and to witness the reality of what's happening Yes, the reality is grim. Yes, the reality is devastating. Yes, there is much destruction. But each of us as individuals need to, to remain present without being persuaded by the emotion. Remain present and witness, what can I do? Okay, what? how can I show up? How can I feel? How can I be a part of the change? Yes, it may require a lot of doing and you're there you are panting and you're you're putting all of your external energy and you're trying you're trying and in a very short amount of time you're going to be exhausted and passed out and we don't have your support anymore you are a resource that has been tapped out so now we have nisha who's so wise and so powerful and so driven and has so much consciousness now we don't have you as as the team towards solution because you're burned out and exhausted 
So the importance of remaining present and resourced within ourselves, taking care of ourselves to have that energy is, is key. When we remain present, we remain in the conscious field. And what we're trying to do collectively is raise consciousness. We have billions and billions of teammates and they're inactive because they're in that dimly lit space of unconsciousness. So we're trying to awaken consciousness so that eyes open, awareness shifts, and we can be a part of a positive change. We can strengthen that. Well, if that, and it, it's a long explanation to derive into a very precise point that if we as individuals allow ourselves to go into a hopeless, devastated, exhausted, angry, and um, unresourced place because we have um, allowed ourselves to move into unconsciousness. You know, now we're angry, we're exhausted, we don't have the energy, we, we've lost hope. We are actually contributing to the problem because we are part of the unconsciousness. So the importance of taking care of ourselves, of remaining in our heart space, of remaining trusting and remaining present without being persuaded by emotion to remain empowered and present. That helps each person we interact with. That helps awaken consciousness around us. You know, I think it's, we can get caught up and, and persuaded by so many stories and so much emotion that just weakens us. But our biggest work is going to remain conscious, you know, to remain in our power, which is through the heart, remain connected to ourselves, take care of our bodies, you know, it, honor our individual practice of meditation, of prayer, of, of uh, connecting with the earth, you know, because if we don't do that, how are we actually actively part of a solution? We're not, we're just part of the problem. So the importance of connecting with self, taking care of the self, remaining present, doing whatever it takes to remain present and not get sucked into the vacuum of negativity, pessimism, and hopelessness. That's our work to remain consciousness so that we can help the awakening of consciousness. You know? Yeah, that is, that's so beautiful. And I remember one of our more uh, informal conversations where we were talking about how there is this need for people to come together uh, in in sort of, finding solace and companionship in this in this journey and then also the the various types of reactions you know like we did speak about how maybe people just want to party sometimes and and at that same time when the work seems uh all the more important there seems to be more and more people uh wanting to disconnect but the the missing piece to me seems like maybe it's not the re not that we want to disconnect with our work or with our jobs or with our daily lives, but rather people want to reconnect with themselves. But this awareness itself is is this vocabulary itself is what um, a lot of people have not yet discovered for themselves. And I'm, I I live in this part of India, which is a famous destination, <laughs> and uh, it, it Goa which really attracts people from far and wide, all across the world, actually. And most people come here um, to either holiday or heal. And these are, it's interesting because holidaying itself to me is, you know, you want to take a break. 
Um, so it's different forms of breaks that people come. So I hear of so many stories from people from different parts of the world who have engaged so much and are searching for something. And it seems to me uh, a real, it's, it's interesting how we phrase it, like this, the busyness of our life, which is part of the system that we're entangled in. Um, and then the only day, only way to get out of it is to take a break and disconnect. There are people who burn out, quit and move because they want a break. Then there are people who want to take a shorter break and come for a holiday. And then that means maybe going for a party or going, um, going in surfing or whatever it may be. So there's like so many reasons why people are disconnecting. Um, but the idea of like, taking a break to reconnect um, the idea of like really serving to fulfill the need that we have innately to connect back with ourselves and us as beings who have evolved on this planet and are born of this planet to reconnect back to sort of the, the mother source itself, which is, you know, whether it's, and I, and I really see this a lot, and that's why I'm bringing that up. There's, there's this need, which is, you know, whether it's just going for a hike and then, but the, the but what is the, the missing link is that you're trying to disconnect and not reconnect. And so often it just doesn't help. So you end up going to the depth of the forest, but you're not reconnecting. You are like plucking flowers and leaving garbage behind. And it's not about, and, I, and I, I love the way that you're phrasing it. It's not about, about finding faults and what is right or what is wrong, but helping more people see this connection um, and that they, that everyone has access to um, and the sort of ripple effect of that, that we will see as change in the world as more and more people access this um, this their own consciousness and and tap into this deeper energy that interconnects all of us. I think that that what you're speaking to is presence. You know, if I imagine someone going to the forest, let's say they're they're in a job, they're in a profession, in a relationship, in a a home situation where they have expensive rent and they're living in a distressed state of survival. And it's too much on their nervous system. So they need to decompress. They need to regulate. And because their life is formed and built around um, a foundation of fear, they're going to then purchase a flight and and put, you know, um, uh, they'll use their credit card to then create more debt, but they're going to buy a flight and go get a hotel somewhere and um, in a, tropical place and try to regulate, essentially trying to regulate their nervous system. And what's happening along the way is, is using fossil fuels and creating trash. And um, it's a, it's a not, not a very sustainable way of regulating the nervous system. And what they are seeking is connection. Like you say, I, I don't even know who I am. I just need to relax. I need to read for a little while, put my feet up. I just need to take a break a break from life 
So they're going as far away as they can or, or separating themselves from home because home is so stressful and then finding themselves in a place where, like you say, they're deep in the forest. Okay, I need to connect, but now they're just creating trash and picking flowers that shouldn't be picked and, and unconscious, you know, they're, they're, it's more unconscious action with very innocent um, intention. The intention is very innocent. It's very, it's very important, very valid to to regulate ourselves, to to be reminded, to reconnect with spirit, with the earth, etc. Well, I think that once again, what I was mentioning before is it. it it's very simple, and the work is it, it, the destination is simple. Getting there can be a lot of work. Um, in each of us being committed to presence on a daily level, in a daily practice. Um, and that means rather than, you know, working your tail off for three months until you're exhausted and spent, and then just going to take five day breaks so that you can breathe and come back. It means giving ourselves permission on a, on a every day, a daily practice of relaxing our nervous systems, of meditating, of praying, of stretching, of doing yoga, of going for a walk, you know, learning to train ourselves to come back home to our bodies, come back home to our spirits, come back home to to our lives. And that's that takes work. It takes awakening conscious every single day, a consciousness every single day so that we can be present so that we don't feel so spread out and, and divided away from ourselves in a state of distress and survival. We need to do that on a daily basis. And it's it's something that I, I thought of as you were speaking um, during our last chair um, in this conversation. You know, I was, I was thinking for so many of us who are working um, and we're dedicating ourselves to to try and awaken change, you know, to be a part of a solution. To we're, we're investing our personal energy into doing everything, anything, and everything we can to bring something positive to the world. I personally believe in the work that I've done that we are not necessarily tapping into our power. That we we are not necessarily going about it the right way. Um, yes. In this waking world, in this dimension, in this reality, uh, there are bills to pay. There are trees being chopped down. There are um, people running for office. There's voting. There, There is so much in this tangible reality. And yet, the, um, the trees, the birds, the bees, the natural world, humans, the way the planets, the, the way that... The, the cosmos interact. There's such a huge, big macro experience of life. And that involves energy. That involves this energetic exchange. That involves much of the world we can't see, but can feel. And it, science has has gotten to a certain place in understanding frequency and energy. But you, Nisha, being Indian, and me being half Indian, us coming from a lineage an ancestry of understanding the power of meditation, the power of visualization, the power of, of, of tapping into the world unseen. I believe that the solution for the future of our, of this planet, of the planet that our species is inhabiting. I, I don't even feel comfortable saying it's our planet. It's, it is ours, but we are inhabiting this, you know, it doesn't belong to us. We're not entitled to this earth, to the animals and to the insects, to to everything. 
we act as though we we are, but I don't believe that we are. I think for us to evolve to the next level of our evolution, for us to evolve to the next level of consciousness and to step into the power that will be required in order to create change, we're going to have to close our eyes and tap into the power that can be experienced through meditation, through visualization, through transforming the narrative in the internal landscape. Because I have seen miracles and magic happen through meditation, through manifestation, through visualization that cannot be explained. You know, even for myself personally, working with clients that I'm working with, um, studying other experiences, we have the ability to tap into a superpower where we are all connected. But in order to get there, we have to be present. We have to be conscious. We have to be grounded. We have to be open and listening. That portal of our hearts has to be open rather than closed. And when we are afraid and anxious, it's closed. We're not able to hear properly. If I'm bringing my anxiety from work and I'm traveling to a forest for a getaway and I'm still carrying that anxiety, my ability to be receptive to those trees will be closed. I will not be able to truly listen and be connected to the network of life force energy because I am living in this contracted state. And so the work is if we want to truly awaken healing on the planet and make change, each of us has to do the work of opening our hearts, of doing the work of, of reconnecting with consciousness on an internal level, because then we are re reconnected to the earth and to the frequency, to the vibration, to the life force, to the intelligence that's pulsating and, and thriving in all living beings. And that is that requires evolving and graduating to another level of intelligence and consciousness. And we are, if we don't value the importance of that or believe or trust that that is possible, we're going to be working with a very limited toolkit with a very um, secular dimension of, of disempowerment. We're not going to be in our power. We're going to be just scrambling and, and doggy paddling to try to get here and make change. And we're not tapping into this huge, powerful source of possibility and energy that is that is directly impacted by our perception, by what's happening internally. If I am hopeless and I believe that everything is wrong and I'm filled with judgment and, and anger and, and I'm upset and I have unwept tears and I'm disconnected from my pain because I don't want to be vulnerable and I'm, and I'm just pushing and struggling and fighting. I'm not tapping into my power. I'm, I, I need to ask myself, am I really, am I really stepping into my full potential to be a, be a part of change? Because if you read the news and you follow social media and you read standard books and science about what needs to happen to create change, I don't know that in any of it, you're going to hear the importance of meditation and prayer and balancing ourselves and resolving our own trauma so that we have control of our internal landscape so that we're not swept into unconsciousness because of our emotions. We need to be empowered. We need to be conscious. We need to be present. We need to be trusting and we need to tap into our full power, which will, which is very majestic and mystical. And it happens through, through closing our eyes, you know, with consciousness and going within 
in re-entering into the larger landscape of possibility and change. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I you often hear of these um, these these statements that oh, you know, all these movies from the sixties and the seventies, these books, and we're like it's they were almost like prophecies, and I really believe those were just we manifested it. Um, we the, the movies that we saw, um, the books that we read about the future, which literally showed flying cars and acid rain um, and control of government and like all these dystopic, they, in fact, it's even categorized as dystopia in, in that genre. But all of this has created a collective fascination um, and it has touched so many parts of the world. Um, and we've collectively, I truly believe we collectively manifested this present intergenerationally because this is how we imagined our future and this is how we're continuing to imagine our future um and um i really even i really feel that any work that you're doing whether it's it's you know it's at the grassroots working with communities to like create uh water systems or um, whether it is uh, working with the, the United Nations trying to bring in new policy or whatever it may be, whichever scale, one I really see one pathway as like diff- as as you as you so beautifully put it, this prayer is meditation to access this this deep power that we all hold within us, and it's often that we're not starting the process with this um with this feeling and this manifestation and um and and i think that i often think that that is something that we need to integrate into all our practices as as a organization or as our as a venture or as a volunteer community right like you're going to do an ocean cleanup like start with that powerful collective meditation of manifesting because well if you you know <laughs> if you look at all these articles and solutions and and then you look at the reality it seems impossible how are we going to clean up all this ocean plastic and micro and nanoparticles of of, of uh, all the things that are so contaminated contaminating our atmosphere in so many ways um that we at this point are not even able to imagine the solution but I really believe that when we, when we, it's not something that is beyond the planet in any scale. It can. There's, there's already all of these um, natural evolutions that people are observing of how thing, of how mushrooms, for example, are evolving to maybe eat plastic. But I do. I always feel this that there needs to be a powerful meditation. Um, where we imagine an uh, uh, eco-positive uh, future, where we we see ourselves reconnecting and and solving these problems, but not that we're solving it as superheroes, but like we're we're becoming part of the solution in this scale that we can't even really fully comprehend. And uh, yeah, I, I always think of that that we need to change the future that we're imagining. Um, regardless of are you fascinating, fascinated by technology and space exploration and what is that future imagining or are you working with the, 
with whales and what is that f- future you're imagining and working against, right? So, uh, so thank you for putting it across so beautifully. Uh, it's very powerful to uh, keep recentering yourself and believing in what seems impossible. Yeah. So I love everything that you just shared. And, you know, I think it's, um, I use the word rebellious, you know, you have to be rebellious, be rebellious, be present, you know, be, be a trendsetter, trust, you know, be different, be open. You know, it's like, we have to really tap into a, a perseverance, a strength, a fierceness, in standing up for the power of love, for the power of consciousness, for the power, the sincere power of the collective force of of consciousness and what can happen when we come together in that meditative state. You know, and and in a sense, this this dimension, this waking realm, this reality is the outcome of a of a like you say, we've we have co-created this reality. In the same way that if you're working with someone who's trying to manifest something, you're going to you're going to explain to them, yeah, how are you speaking about it? Do you have a collage? How are you seeing it? You know, create a collage with the imagery. When you see it, it starts to come into fruition. And that that's no different in, in a large scale of the world that we've created. And it's I think a lot of times it's um it, when you come from this perspective when you trust in the power of the collective mind when you trust in the power of of collective thought and perception and transforming the narrative it's easily um shrugged off it's easily um disapproved and and mm, denied saying that that's rubbish that's you know how is that creating actual change that's naivety you know that isn't uh, that will do nothing. That's uh, that's ridiculous. And for me, it's it's those perspectives that we have to fiercely move beyond. You know, because whoever is <laughs> those involved in flooding the media with negativity know the power of collective thinking. Because if everyone's in a state of fear and distress, they're disempowered. And those who have the power are much more empowered because everyone's all their power has been deflated out of them because they're in a state of distress and fear. They're not conscious. They're not embodied. They're living in a state of survival. They're not resourced. Most of the world is living in that state. And we're also feeding into this narrative. We're also feeding into this negativity and and it's it's a careful balance because we don't want to be ignorant and avoid the reality of the impact of what's happening to the earth. That's that's not at all what I'm saying. I'm saying look at the truth of what's happening and allow yourself to come to a place of consciousness and presence. You know, look at what's happening, process the grief, allow yourself to be vulnerable enough to feel the pain and the fear that you're feeling of what's happening to the climate and the natural world. And then allow yourself to come back to presence, allow yourself to, to come back, to ground yourself, to earth yourself and tap into that higher sense of, of meditative power and visualization and visualize the world you want, visualize the world that we need, visualize a better world, you know, and, and 
don't do that from a place of naivety and, and ignorance and avoidance. Do that from a place of power and precision and consciousness, you know, with precision, focus and intention. Infuse it with your attention, this vision of what we're working towards, you know, because it's easy to get gobbled up by the negativity. It's easy to get completely hopeless because of witnessing what's happening. And that hopelessness is understandable. You feel scared. You feel sad. Absolutely. However, if you stop there, you've, you're not part of the solution. We need, we need you. We need all hands on deck. We need everyone in their power. We need every, everyone as present as they can be. And we need us all to unite in visualizing a healed world. You know, it's, it's very similar Nisha, I often think of addiction. I often think from my own personal experience with addiction and working with uh, specifically with people helping them recover from addiction. I see addiction again as being symbolic, this polarity of, of this scale of consciousness and unconsciousness. I see addiction being an unconsciousness and what is addiction? It's being caught in an unconscious pattern, you know, where we're disempowered because we're doing something that we've lost control of because it's we're unconsciously doing it. Well, if you look at the inner landscape of what happens through addiction, there's a mental narrative. I can't, I'm not strong enough. I'm always going to be this way. I'm so ashamed. Look at what I've done to my body. Look what I've done to my, my relationships, et cetera, et cetera. You get encased with this um, very grim and calcified perception of reality that is very unconscious and very painful and uh, devastating. It's suffering. I describe that as suffering. So if I'm working with an individual and now you and I are in a conversation about the collective, the, uh, the not just one individual with addiction that's lost in unconsciousness, but entire uh, species. So, but let's bring it back to one being who's dealing with addiction. If that person believes that they will never get better, if they believe that they are the story of their suffering, if they believe that life is the extent of what they're experiencing in that moment, yes, there has been destruction. Yes, they have, maybe they've destroyed parts of their body. Yes, they have um, let go of very valuable relationships. They've burned bridges, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, that has all happened in the past. But if they are unable to tether themselves to the belief that it's possible, that change is possible, that healing is possible, they will not heal. They will stay there. There has to be a tether. There has to be a lifeline to the vision of a healed self in order to get that person out of the encasement of suffering and in order to actively work towards change. There has to be a tether of belief that it's possible. And if we pause there and say, look at what we're dealing with as a species with this collective dilemma, Yes, we have done so much destruction to the planet. Yes, we have found ourselves in this place of, of, of it's pure suffering, the natural world, the, the, to, to all life on the planet. But we have to keep that. I almost see it as this through the pineal gland or through this, uh, this gateway through the heart, this, this tether to the world that we are creating, we have to keep that intact. We cannot allow that to be disassembled and broken because that will be the lifeline that we have to, to tap into in order to get ourselves out of suffering and back home to the 
to a healed space, a healed place within and collectively. Mm -hmm. So when we speak of hope and hopelessness, it's not a naive sense of hope. It's absolutely an integral, necessary element in healing and recovery. Essentially, we're going, it's it's regeneration, but it's recovery, you know, recovering and getting to this place, like a collective place of dissociation and unconsciousness, suffering and addiction. We have to recover. We have to believe it's possible. And we have to know that that's what we want. You know, if someone doesn't want to heal, if they don't know there's a problem and they don't want to heal and they're not, they don't believe it's possible, there's nothing we can do. So the duty that we have as beings who are committed to trying to be a part of a solution, the duty that we have in not allowing that tether to ever be broken, that I know it's possible and I I believe and I know it's possible and I visualize a world that is healed just in the same way I visualize it's possible for me to heal. I know it's possible and I have to trust, even if it's something that I've never tasted or touched, even if it's been decades and decades of destruction, no matter what, I have to believe it's possible because that's the only way that I'm going to get out of here. And that's the only way that we are going to get out of here. Yeah. Wow. That is, I mean, I was literally... Feeling this, I mean, this connection to whatever you're saying to from across the world, um, feeling the same things. And um, I was just wondering whether there is a short practice like any that you could share um, before we close, because yeah, there is, um, it's not just that we need to have hope, but we need to have empowered hope. Uh, and that we need to have have this this place for ourselves um, as we're working towards all the things that we're working towards, and to keep keep ourselves really centered to the intention, which is well being of all, which is also well being of the self, and uh, it's it's really profound to understand what role that your own trauma. Um, the trauma from the things that you witnessed, the trauma, the things that you're witnessing and how it can just make you so quickly bring it back to this uh, this point where you, you can't function anymore. But how do we, but the, the way out of that is to, is, is your own practice. And that, that information itself is very empowering that you don't need anybody's, um, you know, you don't need anybody's, uh, permission to 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 have some form of a meditation experience and uh yeah and i want to you know this, this has been super powerful to have this message just spoken out loud and i think it's so important that we keep speaking about it um speaking of the power that we can share with each other as we as we access our inner power and yeah like i would a short practice that we could maybe uh, um, share with uh, everyone who's listening in that uh, could be a moment that they can take to uh, to engage in this manner. Yeah. Thank you so much, Nisha. Thank you for your time today and for your intention. I, I witness you as someone who's working so devotedly to, to bring solutions, to bring forward voices, to, to, Mm, uncover 
the truth within this mystery of of pain that we're living in, you know. Um, and when you when you position it that way, is there a practice? Is there something we can do as individuals? There are many meditation practices. There are many ways to to go within. But the the word that comes to mind as you share that the importance of how it pertains to all of this is listening. You know, just the power of listening. And I would say that for an individual to say, "Am I listening to myself?" You know, the way that you describe the screams of the earth, the screams of the plants and the trees and the ocean and the whales and the 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 agony of what's happening to the natural world, um, that's happening inside of us as well. And if we've experienced, which all of us have in some way, shape, or form, we've experienced trauma. And if there's screaming and crying out from within us that we're unwilling to listen to because we don't feel we have enough time or we're not important enough or we we don't feel inspired to go within and listen to our hearts, to listen to ourselves, our own pain, we end up we end up being uh, avoidant and we build up a big thick wall of unconsciousness and we we're not going to be able to listen to the earth and listen to one another and be better listeners. And that's something we need to be able to do. We don't just need to be action oriented. We need to be receiving and listening. You know, it's not just the outgoing energy of change. It's also being open and receiving and listening as, as uncomfortable as that is, as uncomfortable as those cries are to hear. We have to begin with ourselves. And so I would say just a simple way of laying your hand on your heart and just saying, how are you feeling? What's happening inside? What's going on? Are you stressed? Asking yourself the, the way you would ask a friend or a small child or ask a wounded animal or ask a tree, what's going on? How are you feeling? You know, and then listening, allowing yourself to listen. And if, if what comes up is, I feel anxious, then you know, I feel scared. If you say, I don't feel good, I feel bad okay, I feel pain, right? How are you feeling? Become a better listener to yourself. Validate how you're feeling and show up as a supportive friend and allow yourself when that answer arises, I don't feel good, I feel scared, I feel anxious, I feel devastated, I feel lost, I feel confused. Then you don't need to keep working in that moment for you know three more months and then Tell yourself, okay, well, we'll take a little vacation and get out of here for a few days and and I'll listen to you then. You need to listen to yourself every single day throughout the day. You need to be a better listener and then you need to take action. Yes, we're taking action to help the planet. You need to take action in being a better friend to yourself on a, on a in a daily practice, in daily level, every day, being a better friend, listening and saying, all right, I want to show up. I'm strong enough to hear your cries. And I am going to value and prioritize your well-being, even if it's for five minutes, and just let you be. I'm going to give you a hug and just sit with you and let you be scared. I'm going to let you be angry. I'm going to let you be a, 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 in pain and afraid. I'm going to just hold you and know that you're not alone. I'm right here. And show up for yourself. That is self-love. And that's something that each of us are seeking and we think we don't have enough time to do self-love because there's too much to do to help the world. We can't help the world unless we show up for the individual who needs us. We need to be able to hear that being 
and listen and take action to get them what they need so that we can be resourced to be better listeners for the world and take action. You know? Thank you. Thank you so much, Katie. That's, um, there's so much, so much love and kindness in, in you and in the way you speak and the things that you're saying. Um, and it's been, it's been a very deep and impactful conversation to learn of all of these little, little things that we happily ignore. Um, and uh, to, to actually use your own words, uh, uh, like the way you've described it, Katie, on your own website, um, that we're so comfortable with our discomfort and, and, and that itself is to acknowledge that, to validate that, and to understand that there is something that we can do just by yourself in your room. If that's the what you can do, there is a path to making that change that's within your own power. And that's um, that's such a, a positive, powerful message um, for everyone who is uh, listening in for wherever in this in this journey wherever we fit in and we know that we're all interconnected and uh, it's as simple as that to just listen and to, and to be consistent with our practices of self-care. Um, yeah. And uh, I'm so grateful that um, you've been, uh, you, you, you've been so kind to share with and come with so much warmth and uh, it's, it's just been such a honor to speak with you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, yeah, so we've come to an end, the end of our uh, podcast. Um, and thank you, Katie, for joining us. I'm so inspired by every time I speak to you. And I'm so glad that we've been able to have this podcast um, in these times of uncertainty we need to find our way back to hope and empowered hope and when the darkness seems overwhelming to listen to ourselves because that's where this power coming is coming from and that's uh that there's so much beauty in that um and this is the work that we need to do to bring the change that we want to see and uh on that note i want to say uh, this is Regenerative Rising's podcast, Elevating Stories, Activating Change. I am your host, Nisha Mary Paulos, Executive Director of Regenerative Rising. And with me today is Katie Gray, author, singer, producer, caregiver, and a healer of hearts. Thank you. Thank you, Nisha.